Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I'm Mark Maron. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. We've done a lot of shows, man. We have been on for a long time. It's been a long time, folks. 800 and some odd shows. Where are we? I, I can't... Like, sometimes I just keep moving, you know, I just keep going. I don't really, you know, pay attention to, you know, what's happened before or how I got here or what, you know, where, like, this is the 889th episode of this podcast, this bi-weekly podcast, 889, we're closing in on a thousand, we're closing in on 900. I've talked to so many people that sometimes I don't know if I talk to them or not. I just interviewed an old friend of mine, well, a guy I know from the Comedy Store comic. I can't remember. I didn't realize I hadn't had him on. Uh, he'll be on sometime in the future. But, you know, and it's like, why not? So I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm, I'm going back in a little bit. I'm going, I'm going to go make right uh, with some folks that, uh, that should have been on and, and that, uh, that aren't. And these are usually comics that are just out there working it. They're my coworkers. They're my comrades. They're my. They're part of the same tribe, and there's still plenty of them out there. And I just got to call them up, like this cat. I just I, I ran into him the other night. I did a show with him. He's like, you know, you, you haven't had me on yet. I'm like, holy fuck, that's true. So I just texted him and come over. There was no big booking, no big, you know, entourage, no big, you know, movie star, or anything, no junket, just old school. Come on by on Sunday. Let's hang out. We just had a great talk. But even today, Esther, Esther, Esther Pavitsky, little Esther, I've known her for years. And it was just, uh, you know, I, sometimes the time wasn't just, it just, the time wasn't right. I met her, geez, probably, I don't even think I'd started the podcast yet. I met her when I was, in, you know, just in the throes of being a miserable fuck. You know, at the end of my rope. She was a kid, it seemed like, at the comedy store. And I just remember telling her, like, yeah, what are you doing here? Why get out of here? It's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy you. She did not take my advice. And now she's got this, this uh, wonderful little uh, show on TV. It's a funny show. And I'm glad that we, I'm glad we waited, actually, to talk uh, to me and Esther. She's got this show, Alone Together. It's on, you can get it on Hulu. It's on free form, but I get it on Hulu. I was able to watch it. It was one of those things where, you know, I, you know, I she was coming on. It had been set up, 
And uh, I was like, fuck, I don't even know if I can watch your show. And I'm like, hey, I did you can get on Hulu. I asked her if she knew that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's her and this other comic, Benji Afualo. And I don't really know him, but I see him around. But I don't go back with him. Like, I feel like I've known Esther since she was a kid. Anyways, Esther's here today. And we had a great talk. So what else? Like, I'm trying not to get emotional, it seems, with my big move. I, I'm just not, I, I, I'm detaching from the grief in some way because like my house looks totally different because I painted it and I have <laughs> cleaned the floors up and painted the outside. But uh, I've not decided really in my heart what I'm going to do with the house yet. I believe I'm going to sell it. But there's part of me that's sort of like, yeah, but maybe I should just have it around. Maybe I should keep, maybe I should rent it. Maybe I should use it as an office. I should probably sell it. I yeah, and some of that, see, like, because I haven't committed to that fully, I'm still excited about the new place, but, you know, I'm I'm loving it there, but I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. And in that, that's going to happen. That's going to happen soon. And I'll, and I'll, I'll bring you along. I'll bring you people along for it. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to carry you people. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, for those of you who choose to be part of it, I'm going to, I'm going to, we'll evolve through the grief together. I just wanted to read these two emails because they seem to have come together. They seem to work together. And I don't know if it's the right thing to, to read them for this one guy anyways. Subject line, how Boomer, and in parentheses, almost found me love. Hey, Mark, I've been an avid listener since 2012. Thank you for making my commute not shitty on Mondays and Thursdays. Some of my personal favorite episodes include Dak Shepard, Romney Malco, and more recently, Marilyn Manson. What a strange and interesting dude. Anyway, a few months back, my girlfriend of five years broke up with me out of the blue. I'm 28, so after spending all of my mid-20s with the same girl, I was late to the online dating scene that so many of my peers have experienced and had luck with. I eventually made an OkCupid account, filled out the profile, dug up some semi-flattering photos of myself, the whole nine. After looking through countless girls' profiles, writing messages and having lots of uninspired conversations. I was finding the whole experience underwhelming and was about ready to throw the towel in. That is until I came across Nick. She seemed amazing, beautiful, with a witty profile, good taste in music, and an affinity for spicy food. When I saw that she listened to WTF, I knew the perfect opening message to send. Boomer lives, in quotes. A few weeks go by, no response. I send a follow-up message about an art performance she mentioned in her profile, also no response. After another couple weeks, she finally wrote back saying, I don't know why this message got put into a weird folder. Hi, both of these messages are awesome. She then went on to talk about the performance she saw in greater detail and asked me a few questions. I was thrilled. I wrote back only to never hear from her again. During this time, OkCupid was going through policy changes about how users are matched when girls see messages from guys, etc. I think this had something to do with what took her so long to come across my initial messages and like to believe that she never saw the later one this girl seems like the real deal if this email ever got read on your show i know she'd be listening so if you could please help me out nick go back online and find alex's profile and messages he's the dude with the shaggy brown hair who drinks a lot of seltzer and doesn't watch football thanks for all you do mark boomer lives alex like i this is a, this is a kind of a long email and you know maybe i don't know what happened i'm not here to make matches i'm not here to help people out with their dating i don't usually do this and maybe this woman is just sort of like decided maybe she's moved on maybe there, there's a, any number of options but i just thought it was uh i just thought it was nice that people who know the show you know, are getting together around the show and uh and in but like I, I i'm worried about this guy 
Like, I don't want him to tip over into like sort of like, uh, I don't want him to get obsessed. I don't want him to go go nutty. You know what I mean? I, I think this was, you know, this was a, 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 there was a nice line here that, you know, like, you know, he's just, he's just hoping for the best here. He's hoping for the best. Doesn't seem like, you know, he's losing his mind. If he gave me all the information, you know, maybe you know, it's, it's a little desperate. I feel for him. Maybe this will work out. I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I hope I'm not exacerbating a situation that, that just wasn't meant to be. But couple emails after that one, I get this. Officiant of a wedding. Hi, Mark. I wrote and erased the first line to this email a good 10 times because I have no idea how to tell you that I'm a fan, but I was just asked to officiate a wedding of two friends of mine that are huge fans of yours. The reason I didn't know how to word it was because I don't want you to think I'm not a big fan, but that these two, especially the girl, are really big fans. I wanted to get them something great for their wedding, and I was wondering if you would send me a letter giving them advice or anything, and I would I will frame it and give it to them on their wedding day. If 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 not, that's okay. Now you know two huge fans of yours are getting married to each other. Their names are Kate and Kyle. Thanks, Mark. Jay. Kate and Kyle. Advice for being married. Uh, look, you know, I'm again. The, you know, maybe this is I, maybe this is giving my last email guys you know too much hope. To Alex, I, I don't know, but uh, but this is again a unique thing, and I don't I don't know that the, that I'm the guy for marriage advice. I mean, I'm glad they like my show, but if they like my show, they also know that I I have not been successful in two marriages. I was engaged, that didn't work out. Uh, most of my relationships have done nothing but harden my heart and made me cynical and defensive. And uh, I just, I don't know, I don't know. But uh, the relationship I'm in now is good because, you know, we're both independent. We mind our own business around some things and we, we have mutual respect for each other. She does a different thing than me. I respect her work. She respects my work. We, we get along. We're, we're not, I, she's not the usual uh, type of person. There are crazies don't mesh into a one big crazy we are uniquely uh, crazy we're crazy in, in different ways that don't have the same sort of destructive effects on each other and uh but like i'm i'm a little uh, i'm i'm scared of marriage so i'm not sure this is the right advice <laughs> I, I don't i don't see any reason to be married again so good luck <laughs> good <laughs> Yeah, just just try to be just try to work through stuff before. Here's the only advice I can say, and I don't always heed it. Try to communicate and work through bullshit before it gets all consuming and is too late. Do not let resentments fester to their point of malignancy where you can't get back to where you were when you had the love. Try to communicate, and if things feel wrong try to talk about it before reacting to it without letting the other person in on it if you're having a problem with the person in your mind you know share it so you don't just react to it in your mind and that escalates and they have no idea what the fuck is wrong with you does that make sense but congratulations kate and kyle on your upcoming nuptials and uh, good luck alex in uh in tracking down the elusive nick but don't uh don't you know just just let it be if she doesn't get back to you let it be all right now just don't don't cause trouble so esther pavitsky 
um is very funny and uh very uh interesting and i haven't talked to her in a long time and her new show alone together new episodes are wednesday nights at 8 30 on freeform it's already been picked up for a second season you can watch it on hulu uh, but this is me uh talking to uh to esther and it was very nice sometimes i wish i paid more attention in school or in some cases any attention at all there are probably a lot of things i could have gotten more out of like literature and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frank to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Does it make you queasy, like green tea? No, it, green tea doesn't do any of the bad stuff to me. No, I mean green. Like, what is the other bad stuff? Well, oh, you mean the oh the caffeine, the thing. mania, and then the crash. But don't, but don't you get nauseous when you drink it with nothing in your stomach? Well, I don't do that, oh. and I usually drink it with. I mean, I haven't had a coffee in so long because I'm trying to avoid this crazy high. Thing. Really? Yeah, but I'm like, I don't. I don't even take Advil. I've never tried alcohol or drugs. Like for me, caffeine is such a huge, it's a huge deal for my system. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, I stopped drinking coffee. <laughs> I did. Wait, what do you do now? I'm drinking black tea, but it's just not the same. I, I, I stopped drinking coffee because I was drinking like two or three pots a day. And what did it and do just, to you? Well, eventually you just tap out. You just get nauseous. How do you sleep? I don't, it's weird because my tolerance was so high, I was not having that hard a time sleeping. And I would drink it on the way to the store. I would drink like a fucking big old cup of coffee at eight o'clock on my way to the comedy store. Wait, you know what's crazy is like when I hear you say that, I'm like, that's so romantic to me. Really? It's like so cool and edgy. Like I drink black coffee at night. It's like, I don't need a gross meal like the rest of you. Oh, I want to be that person. But then I'd eat later. Yeah. I mean, it, it all, if yeah. that's edgy, boy, things have really changed. You're not, you're not running with a fast crowd over there. No, I said, I've never, I'm like, I've never tried alcohol or anything. I'm seriously. Yeah. Seriously. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I believe you. I have no reason not to believe yeah. you. I just like, I, I don't know. When did, when did I, when did we first meet? How I, long ago was that? That was in 2009 when I first, first started stand up. So it was right. Store. Really? It was yeah. that long ago? That was like right when I was starting this. So I was in you a weird place. You hadn't started this yet. You were like. In trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it, but yeah, like you were someone that me and the other comics there really looked up to and idolized, but you were also like kind of, you know, well, in a, what, on what? your way down. <laughs> you guys are just watching me spiral. Yeah. Well, just like, I don't know. I think when you're at the comedy store, it's hard to look up to the, this was the culture there that I 
like well let's like let's be specific about that so 2009 when i sort of like i try so it was before i started this in the garage or i hadn't done any you had some kind of weird online talk show but it was not this so it must have been early 2009. It was. You were living in New York, I think. Right. Going yeah. back and forth. So it was towards the end of, right, we hadn't quite started it yet. Yeah. Because this started in earnest in 2009. Oh, so I was like- You were, yeah. <laughs> just sort of like miserable and out of my mind and full of panic and darkness. Yeah. And like I said, like it was hard for those, the, the darkness of the comedy store, they don't, the youngins there don't worship the people on top. They kind of worship like- the gritty person, and that's who you were at that time. <laughs> the, the guys that never quite did it, yeah, but were integrated yeah. into the mythology of the store. That's right, yeah. Right, because at that time, the store was being run by a new generation of maniacs. Yes, there was, I would argue that no one was running it. Right, it was just chaos. It was before uh, Peter Shore kind of cleaned things up. And, yeah. And, but, it, like, it was, who were the door guys? Was that what, Ari was a door guy then? No, or no, no, that was before me. It was, I mean, I don't know if it's people you know, but, like, Tony Hinchcliffe was yeah. a door guy. Well, you were dating him, I think, when yeah. uh, we met. Yes. I was, yeah. Well, we had, like, we were kind of starting to have a thing. Right. But you actually gave me really good advice. I thought, like, I was thinking back on it, and I feel like I misled you. Would he, really? No, no. I mean, like, because I, I thought, like, you know, I remember you know, giving you a ride somewhere and um, telling you, like, you get know, out to, get out of the store. <laughs> yeah. You gave me good advice. You, you said, go to UCB. You don't yeah. belong here. This is a bad place. This is dark. You're <laughs> not this. Go to UCB. And I was, I knew, I knew that you were giving me good advice. Yeah. And it was the right advice. And, like, I had known that advice before. And yeah. I, but I... I just didn't take it. I know, but that that's impressive because you hung in there somehow and you're you're doing very well and you hung in with those monsters. I think maybe that you didn't see the darkness in me. That, that was must really have been there. it. No, I don't know what it was. I don't know. But like I said, you did give good advice and I, I did put up with a lot of shit that I probably shouldn't have had to put up with when so, I was there. Oh, so I gave you a good warning. Like yeah. I, I, but you, kind, you must have kind of known it. Yeah, I did. Of course I did. I mean, I only wandered into the comedy store because it was a comedy club that my dad said he went to in the 80s and that some bar owner said I could do stand-up there. And then I just really liked it. You yeah, know? well, it's got a charm. But, yeah. but you seem to be fortunate in that whatever your disposition is, there are certain people that... I don't, I don't know, like I notice it in your act and also in your show that you're just not going to be taken down by the, that bullshit. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, you have some sort of in, emotional insulation yeah. that enables you to, to seem sort of like um, wide-eyed and innocent but, <laughs> and move through these hellscapes. Yeah. But like it reminds, like Sarah's a little like that, Silverman, in just in the sense where she was always around all of us, but it was just like she was always never going to be you know, kind of jarred by the garbage. Right. You know what I mean? She rose above it, <laughs> sort of effortlessly. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I mean, you are you have that too, though. Like, you have the, the <laughs> darkness. <laughs> yeah, but Maybe not the wide-eyed. <laughs> no, no, I, I've been beaten by it a few times. <laughs> like, I, I took my, my licks. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't rise above anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it just, over time, I got old and, and things started to happen and I felt better about myself. But there was no rising above. I was, if I was there during whatever that evolution was, whatever the, during the, I think the, the Rogan dominated years, 
you know, during the, the that sort was of before me. a little before you, yeah. yeah, which I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really around for, for that where, you know, you had these weird fights and Mitzi was still conscious and, right. you know, Caparulo was doing a half hour sets and there was fighting between certain factions at the store. So, and, yeah. That's the stuff I heard about when I got there, but by the time I got there, Rogan was banned and Mitzi was still, I would say in the first two years I was there, she showed up three times, but it wasn't. Wasn't good. It wasn't good. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't as terrifying as she once was. Yeah, and we'd stay there till three or four in the morning, and it was just like. Who was your crew? You and Tony. It was and Dan Madonia and Benji was there sometimes, and I I would stay late with like Don Barris. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was... that's right. You, see, that was why I was sort of concerned. You were part <laughs> of that that whole weird late night Don Barris Brody Stevens yes. parade of weirdness. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but it did. And I remember tell like my parents would tell their friends, "Oh, she's doing comedy. She's out till 4 a.m. every night." And that their friends would be like, "Your daughter's on drugs." <laughs> and they'd have to be like, "No, we we know she's not, but <laughs> no one believed us." <laughs> but like but like I, I, I I don't even. I never stay at the store that late because something happens around eleven. Oh yeah, no. Now I would never. Now I'm like I'm up at eight thirty and I'm gone and in bed by ten. I I think that that damaged me so much. Like living that lifestyle, my first year or two in comedy, where I was out till f- I was at the store because I was obsessed with the store. I was there at nine when the show started, whenever it was, and then I would stay till two, three, four, and then I would sleep all day and then go nanny or whatever job I had that at that time. And that was so became so depressing. Like going to Subway at night at four a.m. It just like really takes a lot oh, but, out of you. But you, but you, you were you're the real deal. You must you loved it. You were you yeah. Know, you then wanted I to, did. You wanted to live at the store, but because of that, you now kind of go up with confidence. You understand it. You're part of the place. I mean, it's a very specific place. Yeah. Well, let's go back. So, where'd you come from? Uh, Skokie, Illinois. Skokie. Yeah. This, but that is that's like uh, that's like kind of. Dark Illinois, no? Why no. do I know that name? Isn't that where the Nazis marched? There was a Nazi march there. That's what it's famous yeah. for. But that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was before my time. But yeah, it's a very like diverse community. Yeah. It's a suburb of Chicago. Oh, it it's is? Not it's quite close the, to Chicago? Yeah, it's very close. It's on the. I grew up on the border of Skokie and Evanston. It's not quite a nice suburb though you know it's not a shithole it's not highland park it's not highland park that's right, right. <laughs> but are you jewish i'm half jewish half jewish yeah your dad's jewish yeah my dad's jewish my mom's a very quiet finnish woman a very nice <laughs> was a cheerleader in high school she's just so normal and, and your dad is what a bombastic jew yes a, just a jew and it's really, <laughs> no, really just a jew you know what i'm talking I about know, a yeah jew. <laughs> <laughs> with lots of problems and personality. Oh, really? Like what? What he do? Oh, he was a compulsive gambler. For oh, that's a long great. Time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> but we're very close now. What, what do you, did he get? Recovery? What did he do? He was always in GA, but yeah, he's been clean for a long time now. You got brothers and sisters? I have a half older sister from my mom's first marriage. Oh yeah. And she's like very normal. It's a she's a single mother of two and lives in Illinois. Uh huh. She's also quiet. Really? Yeah. So your mom is just a, a really a passive kind of. Like, um, are they still married? They are still together, and I always I explain them as like a toxic combination, and not in a bad way. Just that like they just make no sense to be together. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't know. Me. Is it like sometimes like I I've noticed that there there are there are people who um 
kind of would rather just be with somebody who was high maintenance and full energy. And then they don't have to engage much. They just watch that person spin around and they help out a little and try to guide a little bit and hope that they don't get caught in the crossfire of whatever that person's going through. But it, it enables them to not engage emotionally. Oh. And that sounds like a dream partner for me. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, uh, I just noticed it because my mother seems to find herself with men that spin around. And because of that, it took me a long time to realize she, she, she does not have to expose herself emotionally that much because they're so fucking needy. Right. <laughs> I f- and I shouldn't... Ugh, I just did a show where I talked about my parents and they... You I would, talked about them? Yeah, I talked about how I was... On TV? Yeah. Well, I guess the internet. I was... I feel like I was watched not raised uh-huh. and they, right. they they which is so real like yeah. they kept me safe but they didn't like engage yeah because they're self-involved right yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my dad i don't know but yeah. then my parents called me after that aired and they were like oh we're so sorry we didn't hang out with you they just totally made fun of me for it and i feel like maybe I've, I've oh really them. yeah they made fun of you though for it because my parents at this stage when i do stuff like that about them they're like my, my mother's like i'm sorry i, oh. I don't <laughs> I really didn't know that that's what was happening. I can't believe they take you seriously. I'm very serious. That's cool. You ever watch my comedy? It's all real. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not not hiding behind much. But but no, but I I think that that's an interesting observation that you were watched but not raised. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, because they're worried about certain things that make them nervous. But they, or this is my parents, like they were worried and panicky, but it was only how it would affect them. They had no mm-hmm. ability to really nurture or guide. Yeah. So I'm just sort of left to my own devices to exactly. wander the world looking for an identity. Yeah. And like watch TV and try to find attention from something. Watch comics. Yeah. Look at people with stronger personalities. Yeah. Kind of lock on. Yeah. That's yeah. so real. Yeah. Because I, I always feel like strong women have such a profound effect on me. And I think it's because I'm seeking that out from having like a quiet sure. mom. Well, just, or just having like, you know, it's I think innately you're like, they seem to be able to handle life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I'll go hang around with them. Yeah. I would be the perfect like cult Sub or victim. I don't know. You, yeah, but the th- see, that's the funny thing about you is that maybe you would, but I don't think so because there's something deeper that allows you to to uh, protect yourself from it. Because being that you had this attraction to the store, that is sort of culty because there's only it's a very specific thing. To, you know, because when you tell people like I love this place, and they're like <laughs> normies, they're like, why? <laughs> Do you know like when? When I was there, like, and I'd have, like, a woman come out and visit me and hang out for the weekend, and I was just up in that house doing drugs with a bunch of gypsies and weirdos, and I was like, isn't this great? And they're like, no, (laughs) no, no one wants to live like this. I'm like, you don't know. Yeah, it is weird. Like, why did I like staying till 3 a.m. when there was three people in the audience and, like, doing... It's the best. Yeah, I know. It was very magical. That's the best when like it's just like and they're all sitting in different places. Yes, they're scattered. <laughs> they're so scattered. The, the, the scattered nine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because it's like a it's a completely unique experience and and place that nobody it's it's as far away from normal as you can get without breaking the law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also feeling like you're doing the thing you want to do cuz for me that represented comedy and it's yeah. like yeah, this is chaotic and definitely 
unprofessional, but yeah. it was still felt like I was on the path I, I wanted to be on. Well, and you obviously bought into the idea that this was the path, mm-hmm. that there was no... See, that was something I probably didn't take into consideration when I talked to you because I didn't know you, is that you had already bought into the the, the program yeah. at the store. Yeah. So you're in Skokie, you're... you're uh, but you know what's interesting to me is that you had these passive parents or parents that were, you know that would give you stuff and were protected were, were they were providers but not necessarily emotional guides or anything else yet somehow or another you ended up okay like you you know like i've noticed that like because you could go either way if you have that liberty but they must have implemented enough guilt or something in you to where you didn't get all fucked up or not guilt guilt was not a part of our game but i think that my family a part of the like kind of what I explained earlier like it wasn't like they were parents it was more like everybody was equal yeah, that's what I said about my parents it's like I, really? they're people I yeah I used to do a joke like I don't really see them as parents they're just people I grew up with yeah no it's true like yeah. I feel like everyone in my household was an equal and had equal say in all this stuff and so I think from that there is still like a familial relationship of course and like I don't know I just I felt close to them because of that. And I obviously had to work hard to get close to them because sometimes they didn't want to hang out with me. And th- so it was just, I don't know. There were- but do you, but let me ask you this just out of my own curiosity because of my experience. Like I don't look at them as parents really. I know they're my parents, but I would never ask them for advice or like ask them to. But you who know. asks their parents for advice? That's so weird to me. Some normal people, some normal people respect what their parents <laughs> judgment and stuff. <gasps> Like, I do not have that. You know, like, like I, you know what? My, my dad would know the best thing to do is something I would never say. <laughs> I see them as like, now I see them as their family, but it's also like a friendship. And mm. I mean, I love being around them now because they're just so funny to me. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, no, I don't, I wouldn't say I'd ask for well, advice. Well, how did the, the gambling manifest itself when you were younger? just gone a lot like gone to las vegas a lot oh really yeah so he was out he wasn't working the phones calling bookies he was out in the world doing it yeah yeah so he'd go on benders to vegas yeah from illinois but i didn't understand the concept that they were benders because he would just come home and then i'd get a bunch of toys like because he'd bring stuff from the gift <laughs> shop so to me it was all fun and games <laughs> he'd bring you a bunch of gift shop toys but he'd have to sell the car <laughs> that kind of, it was how bad did it get um i don't I think that he, from what I understand, he was left money by his, because I grew up in the house he grew up in, his parents died before uh, yeah. we came around. And from what I understand is he was kind of left some money and then that money went away. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Like he wanted to make it bigger and it got smaller. Maybe. And it was your half-sister growing up in the house with you all? She was. How, yeah. how much older is she? Seven years. Oh, so that's wild. Yeah, but she, so she was, you know, very cool and- Without being offensive, she wasn't half Jewish, so she was very pretty. (laughs) And so she was the cool, tall, skinny, pretty, big-boobed older sister who Uh didn't want anything to do with me. And so that's well. That seems to be a, an important part of your persona. I you think should it thank is. her. Yeah, for it. it seems <laughs> it seems to be your struggle. Yeah, uh, you know, that like why didn't you get the the uh, the other side of the genetic uh, uh, layout? Yeah, because the Jewish genes really dominated. Oh, it's and not so it's bad. Okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. So no, I'm very I'm lovely. Wait, okay. is, <laughs> is your dad short? No, he's not. He, my dad's actually really tall, but I ended up <laughs> I ended up short. 
His mother must have been short. Somebody yeah, did. I think the women. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, but uh, okay, because I watched some of the show, uh, the uh, new, uh, what is it, Alone Forever? Alone, Alone Together. Alone Together. <laughs> I watched it, and it was funny. Oh, it's right, Because there's a, a, a sort of um, detached groove. <laughs> but I found it kind of emotional, too. Do you know, like, I imagine it's intentional, the tone. Mm-hmm. Is it? I think so. Well, I don't know what tone you picked up on, but it sounds like, yeah. Well, just that your rapport, like you're both kind of, you know, um, and I don't know if it's a, like a, a millennial thing or what, that there there seems to be an emotional attachment about, a detachment about how you engage and how you go at each other. Like Benji seems like everything's, you know, kind of a conversation. Uh, in turn, in turn, it's not um like you always have something witty to say. You're always sort of cutting each other down. Yeah, I think what you mean, well, because he says mean stuff to me and it bounces off me. And like, yeah, that's real and intentional because that's like, yeah, like I said, I was kind of teased by my parents. And so for me, when someone is mean to me, that's loving and shows that they get me and understand me and are, you know, they know me. So your parents were mean to you? They teased me. This is like, it's so fucked up, but because it's kind of offensive. But when I was growing up, my parents, my family teased me because they thought I was gay. Yeah. And they called me Andrew Cunanan. And like. What does that name mean? He's the guy who killed Versace. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But so I was, they were not like, they weren't, they, they teased me. A lot? Your passive mother? Your quiet mother? No, my mom was just quiet. So they, my dad and my sister, they would make fun of me. But I don't, like, it's a, it's weird because back then you you would tease someone for being gay, and now you wouldn't. I hope you wouldn't, but that's kind of what. There are plenty of people that still do that. Yeah, that's true. It's but, really horrible. Yeah. So, okay, so they would tease you, but you, th- so you learned that that was, that was a funny. sign of affection. It was affectionate, and it was it funny. It hurt you, and you laughed. Uh, exactly. That's not Bingo. great. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> But it shows that they like, oh, they know something about me, so they know how to make fun of me. So that's good. They know me. Yeah, I think that's true. I think there's other ways to get an emotional connection. But, uh, you know, I, I know that I I have that. You know, I don't, I, I feel like uh, I'm just trying to relate because I think we have uh, similarities that like you learned that, because that, I, I do that too. It's easier to do that than to just be, if you're that type of person, insecure, mm-hmm. like it's easier to to get emotional reactions by being mildly hurtful than it is to be like, we're proud of you, we love you. Yeah, in There's fact, a- like when my parents say that kind of stuff now, it's weird. I don't like it. Right. Yeah. I don't buy it. Yeah. It's like, don't give me that shit now. Yeah. yeah. Or like hugs. Yeah. Just be hugs de- feel weird. <laughs> but you must you must like it because when we first started this conversation we talked about how you were like on your way down when mm. we first met mm-hmm. and you got you enjoyed that. Mm. No, I know. I didn't enjoy oh, it. Oh, you enjoyed when we talked about it. Well, that's cuz I didn't go I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I had followed that trajectory that you know this would be a a, a peppy conversation. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know like I'm glad I made it out. Yeah. But no, I like hearing about that stuff. I, I mean, you, you know, I, I'm always surprised when people, you, you know, there's certain parts of my past where people are like, oh, you did, you were like this. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. But no, I do laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's- I always think I have more impact on people than I really do because I'm always worried that, you, you know, like I did something, but they're all, everyone seems to be like, no, we just, they, they are like, we, we knew you had problems. <laughs> We didn't get too involved, you know. <gasps> we saw you, but we we stayed over here, <laughs> you know. But 
but it's so okay. So the the dynamic with you and Benji is is sort of genuine. But like I wasn't yeah. dis- I wasn't being uh, critical of it. It just it's just there's a, it's a unique dynamic because it's funny and you both understand each other. But you're both sort of completely self involved, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. But they, it's sort of sweet. And you know, I got I got a little emotional at the end of one of them with the little kid. I but I'm kind of emotional. I'm kind of menopausal or something. <laughs> Everything's kind of moving me. But with the little kid and the bo- and you know when he kicks uh, Benji. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you watched cute. that one. And your little uh, West Side Story dance. <laughs> How many are there? There are 10? There's 10 episodes, yeah. So, like, what is Freeform? Like, I, when I first started looking for it, I'm like, what? It, what where is it? It's So, it's a channel on TV. It's, it used to be ABC Family, and they renamed themselves. Right, but I just was, I'm like, I have Hulu. Like, I pay for Hulu, so I'm like, I can watch it. Oh, yeah. It's every, all their, <laughs> yeah, our show is on Hulu. So. Right. So, I'm like, okay, I don't need to know yeah. what it is. I know. It makes it so easy that it's on Hulu. It's really great. It is. Yeah. Is it on regular television? Yeah, Freeform is regular TV. So it airs on Freeform every Wednesday. And then the next day, the episodes go live on Hulu. And you got picked up. Yeah, we're writing the second season right now. So ABC Family. So they must have changed their their uh, their uh, kind of attitude. They sure did. <laughs> I can't see this as being a family show. Well, yeah, because when we, we had our pilot episode, when we sold it to them, it was about an escort. And we were like, okay, I guess we have to change this. And they're like, no, that's fine. So we were, we were very surprised. They were taking chances. I think we're the first Disney escort. Yeah. Show. Do you stay an escort? No, no, I don't. <laughs> it's only the first episode. <laughs> the second episode, right? <gasps> or no, I guess the first one. Yeah. But it looks like you got a lot of good guest stars, people from the store, big actors, Denise Richards. Yeah, Chelsea Peretti, Bobby yeah. Lee, uh, big store fixture. But you asked you asked me to do it, and I was like, mm. I know. It's maybe season two. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you still want me to do it? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. What kind of, what, yeah, it depends what you want me to do. What did you want me to do last time? Last time, well, I shouldn't say, because I don't want people to have that in their heads when they see. Oh, was it for this season? It, no, it was for last season, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but people are going to see that person and I'm oh gonna, you know uh, we'll do it off mic yeah all right so so you're in skokie you're you're in high school are you like do you have friends yeah you're normal yeah i had a boyfriend and friends what and... kind of boyfriend what kind of car <laughs> whoa what a question he had a good car yeah i don't i don't i shouldn't talk about him because i'm like i'm kind of still obsessed with him even though i've moved on I'm in, and i'm in a re- serious relationship but he's like blocked me on all social media and like once is like seems like he wants nothing to do with me. Really? Yeah. Out of nowhere? Well, you know, it's never out of nowhere. You talked about him on a thing. No, I didn't. But I was like texting him when I first moved out here because he broke my heart. You know, he cheated on me, dumped me and then like fell in love with someone else. And when I moved out here, I kind of got the confidence because I was at the store and I was yeah. all cool. You had the dark confidence. Yeah. And <laughs> so I- The dark magic. I started reaching out and was like, hey, like, what's the, you like, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. And he just was like, I don't want to hear from you and I don't want to talk to you. And then he blocked me and on, on all all the things that you can block a person. Wow. So yeah. that was years ago though. It was. What kind of car? <laughs> it's so specific. He had like his grandfather's yellow Mustang. Really? Yeah. Like from the 60s or 70s? 70s i think oh yeah mm-hmm. like a like a metal one like a good one yeah why do you ask what kind of car you must just be into cars no not really oh just curious trying to paint a picture of high school you and your dude yeah in a yellow mustang an yeah. old yellow mustang a vintage yellow mustang yeah i guess that was cool. pretty specific mm-hmm. right 
And then, but he was a year older, so then he went away. And then my senior year, I was by myself. But that's when I got really close to my family, because like every Friday after school. Yeah, what kind of car they have? <laughs> I'm driving it to this day a 2001 Toyota Camry. It's my car right now. Those are great cars. I know. I have I a Camry. Really, I never want to get rid of it. Ah, oh, so good. Like that. So I don't. I can't picture 2001. I had a fucking 95 Camry back in 2004, and it was great because they were made by the same company as Lexus. So there's very little difference between the Camry and the Lexus at that time. Yeah, people say that I had that car for attention because it's so awful, but I like it. I think it's a good is it, car. Is it, were they still big then? Like, cause yeah, Camrys it's Camrys got smaller. Yeah, it's still bigger. I mean, yeah. Like in the 90s, the Camrys were like a luxury car almost, it felt like, the one I had. It was a big gold one. Bought it off the schizophrenic guy. Oh, I think I'm one generation, one body generation past that no, one. No, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, so you still got the family car. Yeah. Why don't you buy it? You don't want to? I, you know what, I, I decided I was going to buy a new car last year, and then I was so overwhelmed and couldn't pick out a car, and I'm like, my car's fine, forget it. I get overwhelmed easily as yeah. well. Like, the fact that I'm having this work done on the house is just testing every part of me. <laughs> Are you, do you live here? I have, I'm not living here right now. Right. You know, but the garage is obviously still perfectly intact. Everything, yeah, it is. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I moved. I moved. And, uh, you know, it's historical. I get it. You know, I, but I don't know what I'm going to do with this house. There's no big urgency or plan. Oh, I, wow. I don't know if I'm going to keep the garage. I'm like really on the fence about everything. I'm ready to set up at the other place. But there's still part of me that's sort of like, but this is the one. This is the garage. Are you like a hoarder? What? No. Well, because that's a, a hoarder's mentality is I can't get rid of this. It has this meaning. And oh, I know I need it. Uh-huh. No, but I mean you seem I, surprised by that. But I'm not collecting houses. No, no, but I think what I'm experiencing is a natural, real reasonable kind of connection to a place that I've been in a long time. I mean, like if I couldn't throw away all of these books and boxes, uh then you'd have an argument there. Like the arguable like I can't wait to go through this stuff so I can just throw it away. I'm in a place where I can throw things away and I believe that I can. But people, there's, I just, I know there are some people that could just walk away. I'm like you. I'm very sentimental. I lived in the same house my whole childhood. Like, I love going back to that house. Yeah, I don't like leaving. Yeah. I don't like getting right. rid of places or right. things. But I, I also am the same way with things. That's why I asked. But I'm not a hoarder, but I have a hoarder's mentality where I can't get let go of stuff. Do you have a lot of stuff? Not not a lot. Not anymore or ever? No, it's I, not a lot, but I have things that are like the theater t-shirt I wore in high school. It's like, why I don't need that. I have so many t-shirts from like from 20 years ago. Yeah, and then I think about things that I did get rid of and I'm so upset. Like and I'm, what? Like a juicy couture sweatsuit that I bought in high school because Britney Spears' wedding party wore them. And I'm like, why did I get rid of that? I should have had that forever. It's so, that's... To it, wear or just to own? To both. To wear as a joke and to own as a freak. Huh. Like, why do I, why, why do am I so upset? Why do I, yeah, why do I still think about it? Why am I on eBay trying to find it? That's pathetic. Why are you though? What did, did you figure it out? What do you think? Um, oh, I don't know. You don't? Do you know? Can you answer? I'm trying to think what that feeling is. Well, I just want, it's a, it was mine right. and I want it and now it's gone. Huh. Because like I'm trying to think like why, like I have literally got 20, 30 year old t-shirts mm-hmm. that have just kept moving. I don't wear them anymore because a lot of them are just 
falling apart or they're just not part of my personality anymore. But like they they represent something. They represent a different version of me or some part of me, like part of my evolution. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, where would they go if I didn't have them? <laughs> like, I imagine someone else would wear them. But there are shirts that I had to wear over and over again because I had to wear them. Because it's all you had. No, because, you know, they, they, they were what I was wearing. Like, I commit mm. pretty heavy yeah. to pants, shoes, shirts. I have a lot of fucking stuff, but at any given time, I'm only rotating two or three things. I'm so curious about your old t-shirts now. Are they cool? I like want them. They really? sound cool. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll find you one. Okay. Uh, do you wear t-shirts? Or you look like you're, you're, all, you're, you're not the same Esther that I knew. I so am. I'm wearing <laughs> jeans and a flannel. Uh, but but you're, you look put together, tucked in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. That's how bad I am. You're talking about your old stuff and I'm like, I want it. I want to go that's through your pathetic. old stuff? You want to go through my old stuff? <laughs> Here, I like, look at this. Uh, this is a good example, and this just happens to be in here because the guy who's fixing my house, I just remembered this, you know, found these in some cabinet. These are original Co Cobb's Comedy Club t-shirts. Those are cool. Like from, you know, from the, this is probably from the 90s, and like I would wear these constantly. It's not too um, over the top. It doesn't demand too much attention. Yeah. It's black with white lettering. It's kind of unique. Yeah. You know, it, it represents, it's sort of like a team shirt, like, I'm a comic. Yeah, I guess it was weird to me because I can't imagine wearing a comedy store t-shirt every day. That would feel weird to me. Oh, I used to because I was a doorman. Right. We had were, to wear yeah. them. Do I, they still have to wear them? I think so. Oh, look, I forgot this shirt. This is a good shirt. Iggy and the Stooges <laughs> shirt. I didn't, I didn't, forgot I even had this. Why am I not wearing this all the time? I think what you have on now is better. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> I got out of t-shirts. Yeah. I, I, I literally had decided, like, I can't wear stuff that has uh, anything on it. Why? Because it's, like, juvenile? No, because, like, I got to really, it's got to be graphically satisfying, and I have to believe in whatever I have on my shirt. And I think that, like, at my age of 54, if I'm walking around with a black Iggy and the Stooges shirt, that's sort of like, there's something kind of tragic about that, especially with black jeans. That you is know? so real. Yeah, that is, there is something tragic about that. <laughs> wow, you're right. I Like I said, I think with stick with what you're doing, it's good. Yeah, like occasionally, like there's a couple shirts that I have that, like, I'll commit to, like, one or two th things with, things on them like a permanent record shirt i wear sometimes i last week bought i spent a hundred dollars on a limited edition guest jeans and a nicole smith t-shirt and i'm just like what am i what's wrong with me well yeah but but is she she's not on it it's just she's like, on it it's a t a giant t-shirt with a picture of her giant yeah it's too big they, how much she spent a hundred dollars and what are you gonna do with it? sleep in it I don't know. I mean, I love Anna Nicole Smith and I saw it and I was like, take my money. But now I'm, I don't, I just feel like a chump. What about her? What about her? What? Why do you love her? Cause she's gorgeous and like trash that made it to the top and then had a tragic end. It's just really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's your, that's your jam. A little bit. Part <laughs> of my jam. I also like Brittany Murphy and so, I mean, Dead celebrities are attractive to me. Seriously? Yeah. You ever go to the cemetery? Yeah. Yeah. We have a cemetery written into one of 
our episodes coming up. But yeah, I think it comes from being a lonely child. Were you an only child? No. So I felt I was a lonely child. But I'm fascinated with certain dead celebrities. Well, tell me if you relate to this. Okay. So when you're like a lonely kid and you don't have family members who want to hang out with you, you're sitting at home, You, I felt oh. drawn towards dead people because like I could have ownership over them and could think about them and feel like, I don't know, like... I could control my relationship with them and think about them and have them in my life. Really? Did I set that? Is that too crazy? No, I'm just trying to understand the logic of it. So you're not saying only child. You're saying lonely child. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, there, there, I, yeah, I don't know what is fascinating about dead celebrities, but I used to be pretty fascinated with, uh, old black and white film stars. You know, mm-hmm. most of them like are dead. Well, I used to just be fascinated with the pictures of them. You know, even like Charlie Chaplin, Fatty Arbuckle, you know, like, uh, like I had these books. Well, I didn't even know the movies, but there was something about Hollywood and black and white and that they were all dead and that it was so, you know, glamorous and weird, but it was still sort of sorted and fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. It just creeped. Right. It was like, it, it, it was almost prophetic that I ended up at the comedy store with that weird ass, you know, uh, wallpaper that they had in the bathrooms in the back hallway yeah. with like, you know, Eddie Cantor on it and, you know, Ben Turpin and all these weird old, you know, the, you know, Laurel and Hardy. Remember that wallpaper? Of course I yeah. do. Yeah. Like, uh, I think she had that shit made. It was, you can't find it anymore. I think Eric tried to find it again. It's nowhere to be found. Is it not there at all anymore? No, it's gone. Those bathrooms are gone. Like those two back bathrooms two, in the yeah. hallway, gone. But- and, uh, and all that wallpaper in the green room upstairs. Oh, the like bamboo. the jungle? Yeah. yeah, it's gone. I know, that's sad. Man, you know, that's what happened in the last three or four years, which is a good thing because the store is thriving and there's audiences there, which is not something I'm used to. But like doors that were always open started to be locked. Yeah, because freaks got in there. They yeah. started letting all this riffraff in with the produce shows upstairs, I guess. Yeah. And people were fucking things up <laughs> because comics are animals. Yeah, but that was like kind of the fun of it. The best. Yeah. It was the best. When you could go up into those hallways and you'd get up to the locked door and be like, what's in there? Yeah. The offices. <laughs> or you're like, Mitzi's, Mitzi's office. office. Oh my God. I made it in there once. So it was oh, fun. now it's so sad. It's just boxes. Oh, it, uh, I don't even know if, they, if they've cleaned it out yet. But it was like being a kid and going to somebody's house and their parents were gone and you could just do whatever you wanted. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So you, you get out of high school. Did you go to college? I did. I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign for two and a half years, and then I dropped out and moved. That's when I moved here. Was that dramatic? Um, I did not like college. So what happened? What went wrong? A lot. I just was at the wrong school. I couldn't quite find a major. I I, I always thought I was going to be a dancer. I started out as a dance major. Really? Yeah. Do you dance? Yeah, I did. And then I saw I, a little with the West Side Story. Oh yeah. Now I just try to pathetically integrate it into the show but i and i just couldn't fit in i didn't i did not do the sorority thing i mean that's a big 10 school everybody's into the sports and the sororities and fraternities and the partying and the drinking and yeah i just was so unhappy there and it made it even harder that everyone around me was so happy and enjoying it so much and so i just eventually was like i have to quit but you weren't depressed you were just reasonably unhappy i don't know I'm not Were you sure. like, but did you? I was. Did you get lumpy and just never get out of bed? And I gained a lot of weight. Really? Yeah, I gained an unrecognizable Esther amount of weight, and really, yeah, oh yeah. Well, I have like, I love eating because I don't do anything else. Food is like my, you know, right. my fun zone, yeah, if you will. 
So, so what would you do? You'd be sad just sitting in your room, your dorm room, eating what? Uh, that's such an intimate question. So many things. I don't know. Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts. Cold Stone. A lot of Ooh, desserts. Cold Stone. I don't love Cold Stone. I don't love it now, but it was right around the corner from where I lived. Yeah, so. because the ice cream itself, I don't think has much flavor. Yeah. You know, if you don't mix in. And I kind of like straight ice cream sometimes. Like, I yeah. like one mix in if I'm before talking Which Cold one? Stone. A brownie. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. You can't go wrong with like a sweet cream and a brownie. That's right. It is just basically sweet cream ice cream. Yeah. Like I I like a peanut butter cup mix in myself. What is your plain ice cream that you like that doesn't have a mix in? You know, I, I grew to uh, like vanilla. I love vanilla. Yeah. That's always, well, cookies and cream would and or cookie dough would go above vanilla now, but vanilla as a base yeah. is everything. I don't right. like the yeah. fancy colored and. But, no, 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 yeah. no. You got to work with a vanilla base or a sweet cream base. Yeah. I grew up when I was younger, I was sort of chocolate driven. Mm. But then as I got older, I got more uh, into vanilla. I like the mint cookie. That was pretty good. Like from, the Like from, was it Ben and Jerry did a mint cookie? Oh my God. Yeah. The Is it? Yeah. It's a mint. I don't, is that the name of it? Something, I don't remember. But it has, yeah. It's I know like exactly mint, what you're talking mint about. Mint ice cream with the cookies. Yeah. And that's all that's in it. That, he, that's pretty great when you when he would find a big piece of cookie. I know, and just you're digging through and yeah, looking like for it. Turning it around <laughs> as it, as it melts, you kind of turn the big ball of it over to find the. <laughs> that's it's so like just so I'm almost uncomfortable <laughs> talking about this because I just feel disturbing. Uh, no, I have uh, I'm very compulsive food, but it's very hard for me to manage. Yeah, but like, thank God, you know, I have uh, my cholesterol got a little out of hand, so I, I, you know, it, it becomes about life or death, and then you're sort of like, all right, mm-hmm. no more. I can't pint out. How I did you? Well, do you ever buy the like the pints that are like the cheating pints where it's only three hundred sixty calories for one pint Halo Top? It's not. It's not good. Yeah, though. I mean, once or twice that came later in the game for me. Yeah, you know, like I would. Um, like uh, to sit down and do. Um, I've gone through different Ben and Jerry's flavors. I, I don't like Haagen Dazs because it, it's not good on my. It's too rich. I don't like it. I don't like it. They just don't have fun flavors like the way Ben and Jerry's does. Right, but it's just it's almost too rich. Like it's almost hard to do a whole pint of Haagen Dazs. But for some reason, like I can do a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's, no problem. I haven't in a while. Thank God, I'm clean. But I have done. I've done like. One and a half. Yeah, And then me too. when you look at the ingredients, and yeah. it's just so, it's like all just disturbing. Well, I used to Egg get, yolks. And, well, yeah, but that's what makes it good. I know. But like I used to get a pint of vanilla and then a fancy flavor, and so cut it with the vanilla. <laughs> wow. I used to do the whole bit about that. You got to get the cut. I remember one night one of my friends came over with two pints, and I just, I acted as though both were for me and but you know I, but i used to do the thing where i'd like play this game with myself where you're like, i'm just gonna eat a little bit and then you put it back like, yeah. yeah just yeah yeah what other stuff though like what did um pop tarts is, is pretty good i could see pop tarts but like it was not like i wouldn't think to do it i, I would i'd be like i'm not doing i can't do pop tarts yeah that was like obviously freshman year of college me i wouldn't yeah. do that in this in the last decade right i guess that was in the same decade but or no it wasn't um i like like i like um like almond cake olive oil cake um ricotta cheesecake no that's almost more mature no i know but i can't get that stuff yeah, you know, I can't. I mean, I'm not getting it, but like when I like, since I don't eat a lot of desserts now, if it's a fancy dessert, that's where I'll do that shit. I really, my favorite dessert flavor profile is s'mores. So anything that has like those three tastes, I go for marshmallow, graham cracker, and chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. 
Um, Didn't they make a flavor? Ben and Jerry's flavor? S'mores. I think they did. If I might have been a chocolate base, which I'm uh, not, I can't do. What would you prefer? Marshmallow base? How would you, <laughs> what, what base would you use? Vanilla, oh, vanilla sweet with green. that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Pop Tarts, yeah, I wouldn't do that nowadays. But like in, in college, I would eat a box of Pop Tarts and take a Benadryl. Like that's bad. To go to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird that's well, not you're, that's you're, why i'm not there anymore you're just you're skirting you're, you're just kind of uh you're kind of circling drugs yeah you're like you're like you know like, how, how can i do this without doing drugs exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like catholic girls who don't go all the way but right. they do the other things because i always so you were like you're you're well some catholic girls will do anal sex yeah and... that's what i was doing i was eating pop tarts and benadryl i not doing cocaine or speed yeah no it's interesting that you get it because I feel like people don't understand. They're like, oh, you just ate everybody. Like, this was dark, abusive yeah. behavior I was engaging yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because I, I didn't want to drink alcohol for a lot of reasons. But one of them was I always knew in my the way I treated food and desserts. Like, yeah. I can't take it to the next level of yeah. something even more fun. Yeah. I'll be, yeah. I'll be all the bad things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You knew you had the, the possibility, though. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, I I definitely understand that. Like I think about it now. What was I just thinking? Just about that. Like, cause I do you ever? I don't know how. Like I'll I have to stop and look at how fast I'm eating something. Sometimes, like I will just shovel shit. Like, oh my god! Like just shovel. Like wait, eat. I was in New York doing press for the show, and I had finished like a a big like a thing that I was happy to have had done. Yeah. And I went to my hotel room yeah. and I room serviced a pizza a pasta a dessert a bunch yeah. of stuff did you have a per diem yeah like, oh, oh god yeah. and i i'm not joking you i was drinking the pizza i was eating it so fast i'm like i'm drinking this there's no other way to explain it and it fu- my stomach was so bad for like a week after it w- I was it was a bad oh, but it was that's all i wanted to do after free food too like buffets and shit i got a real problem with that Oh, I have a no buffet. Who are buffets for? It's, I don't know. It's for people to really hurt themselves or what someone who's going to go in a manageable way. How do you handle craft services? Like, I, like, I'm so happy I'm done shooting Glow because I couldn't take it anymore. And then I would think, like, no one's going to eat this. How are there still stuff here? <sighs> and then, like, uh, they have donuts. Yeah. No, I know. There's donuts every morning at the shows I work on. I... It's you have to be black and white. For me, it's like I just don't touch the table, and I bring my own thing, and I go do my own thing. Because once I have a bite of something, my mind is like, "Oh my god, what's next?" Blah blah blah. Oh yeah, or half a donut. I'm- half a donut is so off the limits. Like that's insane to me. If you eat half a donut at work, that's crazy. What that's like? Yeah, the equivalent a big, of a bump a, of coke or whatever. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. just just not enough, and just to keep circling, hoping <laughs> hoping that the the other half got left. It went yeah. away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be thinking about it and feeling yucky. All right, so so you leave college after two years, two and a half years. Yeah, halfway through my and you just year. decide to go to California. That's yeah, fucking crazy. I what know. year was that? That was 2009. So like, I just met you when you just got there, give or take a like half a, a year, like give or take a month. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I moved in April and I went the next week I was in the, at the comedy store and I was there full time. But how did you end up, how did that all happen? Like what was, so you leave college and you're like, I'm going to the comedy store? No, so I leave college and I'm out with 
like the first week I was here, I was out at a bar, Luna Park Bar, which I don't think is there anymore. It was like La Brea and Wilshire where I was living. And I was with a friend of mine. I had one friend out here and we were just kind of laughing, having fun. And I don't even remember what it was, but I was making fun of him. And the bar owner was like, you are so funny, which no one has said that to me since this. Yeah. But you're so funny. <laughs> you should do stand up. I'm like, wait, yeah, I I tried stand up in college. Like, yeah, I should. I, that's what I want to do. And I'm like, but I don't know how, where. And she's like the comedy store. And then that was it. Wow. Then it was like, call the comedy store, drop off a resume. How do I get a job here? I remember being on the front patio and I'm like, who do I talk to about getting a job here? I can't get in touch with any, like no one's responding to me. <laughs> and then someone goes, well, Polly Shore owns it. And I'm like, okay, who's that? And he's like, they're like, cause I didn't know who he was. They're like, oh, that's him over there. And so I walk up to him and I'm like, hi, I'm trying to get a job as like a waitress. And he just like, he grabs my arm and he's like, look at you. You're like a little doll. <laughs> and he walks me over to Tommy and he's just like, look at this little doll. And then he walks away. And then that was it. I never, I never got hired, but I think Tommy says that that was Polly, like through Mitzi, showing him that like we you should were, uh, pay attention to this person. Oh, really? Yeah. So Tommy like tripped out on it. Yeah. Oh, which wow. Which is very strange. That's good, man. That's a that's a nice uh, mystical, very connected <laughs> comedy store experience. Yeah, I it was. I did really. They didn't really hire. They didn't hire women to do anything other than waitress at that time, and I wasn't qualified enough to be a waitress. So, but you, I was you, just a, you knew you were home. Yeah, I was just a hanger oner, and I was yeah. And you would just show up. Yeah, I mean, I would do open mics every day. You did an open mic in college, yeah. I did two open mics in college, yeah. But then, but then when I got to LA, I would do the store obviously mon- Sunday Monday. It used yeah. to be Sunday and Monday, and then I would do open mics wherever I could go. And then at the end of my open mics, I would go to the store every night and I'd watch, sit in the back in the bucket seats and watch the show, and then talk to people and. You're like a like a hardcore store. I know hardcore store person. Isn't that like? gross no it's, a, it's no because it's not gonna always be they're not gonna be anymore yeah. it's not always gonna be this way it's over in a way it so, is uh, i agree because it's the doors are locked you know but yeah that also when i moved to la there wasn't you couldn't develop anywhere no one was developing young comedians right it wasn't happening at the improv or the factory or anywhere no and, one cared they were yeah. just sort of doing like you know be doing produced shows yeah but the store was still kind of doing that but mind you it wasn't cool to be at a comedy club and it's i don't know if it is now but it kind of is now yeah that's a nice turn because then you wanted it to be on the east side like you said do ucb you wanted yeah. to be at the cool it's so funny because i told you that and i was like like i'm a store person like you know through the my you know soul yeah and like you know and i was trying at that time i was just doing those other rooms to make sure that i was you know relevant in that world huh. and now like i don't like because i you know i just thought that was what needed to be done at that time but i was always a club comic so now like i don't do any of those rooms i only do the store I kind of am there too. I only do the store. You know, I think that my advice to you was sort of like, I, I, it wasn't that I misread you. It was just sort of like, I had been eaten up by the store once. I just was trying to, because the place eats people. I cannot tell you how much your advice made perfect sense. It was the perfect <laughs> right advice. But you found your way. I did, but still, like when you just are looking at the situation and you see a 21-year-old girl who's like just smiling like, 
send her away from the store. If I saw that, <laughs> yeah. I would give the same advice to this day. I would say, get out of here. Yeah. Go to UCB. I mean. But now, like, I don't even know what's going on at UCB. And, like, that's I a whole other either. world. The thing is, is it's like, you know, I still think in some weird way that, you know, to be, you know, a, a, like a, a stand up, like to, to really do it, you know, the store is where you do it. <laughs> yeah. But also, that's such a hard system to get into. But yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, I love. Well, that's like we said, it's very good now. There's crowds. So, all right. So, so you come out here, and now you're hanging around the store with the freaks. But that was the 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 charm of that place. It was always sort of like, it always attracted, not, just broken people yeah. of all different kinds. You know, you know, some criminal, some just you know weird. But it's it's, it's sort of back. There's still there's sort of an electricity there. But I, they don't let a lot of freaks hang out too much. But there's still a lot of weirdness. You think? Yeah. I'm not there as much, so I don't know. But well, when I work, if I stay around, just like when you get that many people hovering in this sort of mythology of the place, like, and I started talking about it constantly, and a lot of us started talking about it in a very proactive way, mm. and it's just all, all of a sudden people are like, this is, it's like the real deal. That's crazy. That just, that, because that's how I felt when I was there. This is the real deal. But the outside world was They're like, like this no, creep show. this They're is like nothing. Ha- no, it's a haunted house. You're performing for Australian tourists who are jet lagged, who don't <laughs> care. And otherwise, there's nobody there. It was just so awful when yeah, I got the in- there. The industry turned on it. Yeah. Why? It, because it got weird and gross. Right. Yeah. No one wanted, no one from the industry wanted to be there. Never. Never. Yeah, I remember hearing that. It's like if you need to be seen by someone, you do it at the improv. But yeah, but that was the great thing is that like when the lunatics run the asylum, you could work without being seen. You needed a place exactly. to work. Yeah. You know, when I got there in the two thousands, wherever I came, like it's like it was pretty beat up. It was just starting to turn, but it, you could still do your shit anonymously. The craziest thing too is that the what it the thing that's written on the below the cover booth like just be yourself. In God we trust. <laughs> <laughs> like that is so such a great I don't know guidance. Is it, I never even noticed that. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know the exact quote, but it's something about like don't try to be funny, just be yourself. And really? that really led me to yeah. It's right under the OR cover booth. Yeah. Maybe it's gone now, but it was there for many years. I don't know. I never noticed it. Yeah. I wonder if it's there. I hope it's there. I I hope it's there now. Because that was like, you were reading all the signs and symbols. Like there was part of me that had to, you know, compartmentalize that stuff, you know, because when I was at the store and I was out of my mind on Coke and I was sort of like mentally unstable, um, you know, it really broke into a quite a, a large... Uh, you know, system of signs and meanings. Like, you know, I was out there. So like, you know, being at the store was like the center of the universe and there was a constant battle between good and evil going on there in my mind. And like, it was really like, so it was like the imprinting of that place from a a cocaine psychotic mind. Oh my God. It took, it took so long to shake it. it. It took so long for me to be able to go to the store and not feel the thing. You know, like, oh, the, the energy's still here kind of shit. Yeah. So, so like, I kind of got rid of that. And then I kind of appreciated it on a nuts and bolts level. But, you know, that energy, you know, goes all the way back to, you know, the, the zeros. And, like, so you can play that game, right? The, what I'm thinking about. Yeah, the force, man. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. You yeah. know, Hollywood, the force, the comedy store. Like, who, you know, what happened here? Who, you know, who is Mitzi? I haven't had, I haven't heard zeros thrown around in a while. That does bring me back to like 
the stories about the ab- illegal abortions performed below the main room. Oh, yeah, the ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. I now there's a podcast studio. <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> Downstairs in the basement. I don't know what's under the main room. Yeah, I've never had I never had a ghost experience there, I don't think. No, I didn't either, but like, you know, like I have to be careful like not to drift. You know, like there was a lot of mystics around, you know, uh, earlier on, you know, from after the 70s, you know, after Libitkin jumped off the fucking building, right. the shit just broke open and, you know, it became like this, uh, this kind of drain for like, you know, mysticism and weirdness revolving around that place. Yeah, I, I, there's something about that I'm very drawn to. Oh, it's, yeah. It's so exciting. Right. There's that. And now it's just sort of like the authenticity of the place, you know, just on a surface level is very compelling. You know, it's it's cool to sit in those rooms because they are relatively unchanged. What yeah, what else is the same Nothing. as it was Nothing. 50 yeah. That's what I mean is that it's a real deal place and real deal comics work there and a lot of guys who haven't worked there in forever and women come back. You know, they're back, you know, they're kind of like Ugh. you know, they they ran away from that place. And now they're kind of back. Man, that makes me scared that because there would always be people talking about how like, oh, this is going to get sold and become a parking lot. And that's not happening. Yeah. Okay. Not anytime soon. Okay, that's good. I mean, that was the fear. I don't think that's happening. That, I don't want to get into Shore family business. Right. You probably know much more than I do. I don't know. I don't. I try. You know, I don't want to get in the middle of that shit. You so, all right. Know. So, um, did you go to the Bert, to Polly's birthday last night? No. How was it? Did you go? Well, I was doing spots. I kind of dropped by. It was all right. There's a lot of old timers there. That that's like the kind of thing that I would stay away from because I still feel like I, it's a toxic relationship with the store. Yeah. And there's certain right, that's what I'm people saying. Go, I don't want to go back and mm-hmm. be around and be reminded how I feel around them and the people that would show up to that, I'm saying. Like you just it's it's you just don't know what you're getting. And so for me right now, I love the store, but I have a very adult relationship with it. I show up for my set. And I'm if there's a few friends there, I hang, but I leave. Yeah. Because I don't, like you said, it's like you go there and you feel all the things that you once felt. And I'm like, I don't want to feel those things. I want to just. Yeah, I used to say like going back there to work was like, you know, going to visit the the the, the, the place, the person I'm got, that molested me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how I put it. I put it better. But it seems like over the years. Like, you know, you've sort of, you know, gotten acting gigs and you've been able to do your stand up on TV shows and you've worked a lot. Yeah, I've been trying. I'm... You got a recurring on the, what show? Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That's big? Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And you got to do stand up on, did you do stand up on uh, Seth's show? I, I, no, I just went on Seth's to promote Alone Together. That was So you did up. panel? Yeah. Did bits? Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. I have How'd a, they go? I have a surveillance camera in my family's living room, and so I showed pictures from that, and I think that was fun. I think people liked it. You do? Yeah. What, do they know it? Yeah. It was started out to so I could see the dogs sleeping at night, uh-huh. and then it just like became a way to make fun <laughs> yeah. of my family. And you were, on, you were on Maria's show for an episode? Oh, yeah. Maria's like why I started doing stand-up. Really? Yeah. She I, would never do the comedy story. No, no. But I mean, because I went. Maybe she would. My high school, my high school went to the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, and I'd never seen stand up live before. And one of my friends was like, "Oh, this person's really funny. Let's go." I'm like, "Sure." And it was Maria, and I like, I mean, changed me forever. Was the funniest. Talk about like looking for someone who could have a strong. Oh yeah, she's the best. 
Yeah. It's like a savant. I was like, well, I don't know what this is, but I, I want this. This yeah. is good. She's great. Yeah. So that really, so you had your mind blown experience, the mind blowing experience, the cathartic, you know, revelation. Was it with Bamford in, in Scotland? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That makes sense. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. Did oh. you tell her that? I did. Yeah, I did. And she went, oh, okay. Yeah, she was. So, she's so awesome. She's, yeah, I mean, you know, she's yeah. the nicest, funniest person that there ever was. What did you do on her show? I played um, a teenager who was asking her for comedy advice because our moms are friends and basically end up telling her like that she's not funny and that I'm really funny and my friends think at school think I'm funny. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's <laughs> I a, gotta watch this show. I, it's so, it's I gotta so make good. time. Gotta make time to watch it. Her show's so, worth it. It's oh so yeah, she, I love her so much. I think I watched one episode but like I can't, I just gotta lock in. And you weird, are you doing a podcast? Yeah, I now have, a, so I didn't, I had my podcast which you did, which was yeah. really fun. And what was it called again? Weird Adults. Yeah, right. And then now I'm doing like a female, like we talk about makeup, diet, exercise, beauty, self care, uh, called Glowing Up that I co-host with one of the writers on my show, Caroline Goldfarb. What? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's real. What do you mean? It's a real advice show or, or uh, a struggle show? Yeah, like, like it, we talk uh, about. The struggle. It's very yeah. 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 Why 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 do I have to do this? Why am what? I not that? <laughs> why am I <laughs> Why am I still trying to be that? Yeah. And what happened? Did you do one with Brody? Brody and I had a podcast way back in the day with Red Band. We had a a podcast called Brodiness that we did right after his big breakdown. He he kind of need, yeah. needed some How was that? That was it was fun. It was like you know. How, what was your relationship with that whole crew? Like how did you end up with the in the uh uh, what what is it called? The what's their what's Red Band's Death Squad? Death Squad, yeah. How'd you yeah. end up with the the in the Rogan Red Band Matrix? I was dating Red Band for a little bu- a little while after Tony and I broke up. Yeah, and then we started hanging out, and then we broke up. We were not together very long, and then after we broke up, uh, the Brody and Esther thing happened. But you were doing Joe's show, like Joe had you on. A few yeah, times. I went with Joe. We I went to Austin with him and did a couple things like that. What stand up? Yeah, and that was good. It was good. Yeah, he's he's a really great dude. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about before we wrap it up. What what was how did this show get made? So people who have hopes and dreams, <laughs> so help help some little girls get their shows made. Oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. So we, my best friend and I, we just decided we were at the the premiere party of Brody Stevens Comedy Central show, and someone came up to us. Um, Brody Stevens? Yeah, he had a Comedy Central show that Zach Galifianakis produced. When was that? When was that? Like six years ago? Something oh, right, like Brody. That. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And someone came up to us and they were just like, you guys are so weird. Like, you two are something. You and Benji? Yeah, because people would always comment on us, why aren't you dating? What you know? He's your best friend? Yeah. Yeah. And we, that night, we just, we like, Okay, we're gonna make something. We gotta just make. His something. last name is Aflalo. 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 Yeah. Benji Aflalo. I've yeah. watched him do stand up a few times. He's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And he also has the darkness. He does inside yeah. of him for sure. And then we decided to make a short film, and that took fucking forever to figure out because we were just two stand up comics, yeah. no idea. And eventually, we f- we figured it out, mm-hmm. and so we shot that, and then we. 
uh, cut it down to like a little two-minute version and sent it around and then got a meeting at uh, Lonely Island's company and then they decided they'd want to make it with us. So then from there, we pitched it. Oh, okay. With them behind you. Yeah. You pitched it with them. Yes. At Network. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You kind of need someone to vouch for you, I think. Well, no, it's, it definitely makes it, you know, you, you can get into rooms. Yeah. Did Andy have anything to do with it? Did you meet with him? Um, We've met with him a, f- a few times. Andy Samberg? Yeah, but he, w- you know, they weren't, they're good producers in the sense that they let us do what we wanted to do. And Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And who's writing on it? Um, it's me, Benji. Our co-creator is this guy, Eben Russell. And um, we have this woman, Amy Hubbs, Caroline uh-huh. Goldfarb, Shelley Gossman, Alex Blagg. Those are our writers this year. Not comics? Who's a comic in there? No, no comics in there this year. No. A lot of women? Yeah, a lot of women. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still doing your show? No. No, because you're on Glow. I'm on Glow. Yeah. A lot of women. Yeah. It's just me and a lot of women. That's so... Do you feel like at home, like that's how it's supposed to be for you? Because you have a very like feminine <laughs> do I? energy. I mean, the way you talk about food is <laughs> makes me feel safe. Well, that, well, that's the, well, that's the weird balance with me. You know, yeah. I, I have some... There's part of me that, you know, through... Uh, defensiveness and hypersensitivity has gotten kind of callous and there's there's a type of manliness that i can manifest you know that that i think i used to protect myself for years but i think the core is a little more yeah yeah i i yeah i used to do a joke about that Mm -hmm. about having an inner girl her name's jill and she has an eating disorder yeah (laughs) yeah i'm I'm aware of all that yeah yeah that makes sense Uh, but i do like the other thing's pretty real too you know, that's the weird thing about me is that whatever sort of alpha component I have, whatever sort of assholeness I have uh-huh. is pretty toxic and pretty male. But like, I think at, at the, you know, the uh, the other one's winning now. So. Oh, that's good. Why do you think that is? <laughs> How did that happen? Because like, you know, you have to, after a certain point, I think what you're trying to do is be true to yourself and be comfortable with yourself. So, so bringing those things together or, or allowing that stuff to live as opposed to stuff that stuff down uh however how, that process uh, you know when you don't have good parents takes forever so you know you're sort of finding yourself um you're comfortable with yourself much later you know if you're lucky mm-hmm. and i have to i do have to battle the defensive part of me yeah what? i do too you do yeah yeah is this resonating with you it is because i also feel like i have that toxic male side of me but it's not really that my version of that yeah, which right. is like defensive and you know right. yeah defensive is probably the biggest and, and mean and <laughs> yeah with me like if i get defensive i'll be preemptively hostile and hurtful yeah you know what is the bullying the most specific example of this i have is that because when you move to LA, you're like, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're in show business, and you're just I don't know I I it wasn't really the person I was growing up. Because now I was just like having fun trying to make it right. And yeah. So I I did last comic standing, and one of the judges was Norm McDonald, and he said something kind of mean to me. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that because the producers were like, they're gonna be nice. That they're like, this is not like American Idol. This is you know. Yeah. Which. I guess that's what they told us, but they told the judge or something different because now Norm and I have talked about it and he's like, yeah. Um, and he said something mean to me and what I don't even remember. It was not even that big of a deal, but yeah. he just said something that caught me off guard. And then like the real unplanned person inside of me came out and uh. I like went off on him and was so like, I on just, camera. Yeah. I went off on him and it was, 
it never aired, but and then I was like, oh yeah, that's a person inside of me I forgot about, <laughs> and I think that was I just remembered that like if my uncle said something that pissed me off, like that's how I would react, and that's just what happened and came up, and I hadn't seen that person and since I had moved out here. And so, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, there's someone in me that wants to be like, don't you fucking talk to me like that right. at all times. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that, well, that's normal when you like, if like, however you are emotionally diminished by selfish parents, right? If you have to do your growing up sort of on your own, uh-huh. put yourself together, right? Like the only real defining part of your personality when you're that vulnerable is fuck you. Yeah. That's what's going to protect you until you get it together. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me feel so much better that you can kind of explain it. Because I am like, why am I so ready to just don't talk? Like, why am I ready to Because we defend? weren't given any, you know, uh, we weren't grounded properly. Like, what's, yeah, what's the normal reaction just to be qu- to be quiet and think about it? No, like, no, I don't oh, know I, if it's to be I, quiet. But I, I hear I, what you're saying. Like, is that right? No, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, it's a sensitivity you know that you know if you know if you weren't properly capped uh, emotionally as a child, you know you sort of still have very childish emotions. Mm. So you're going to respond like that. No, you are <laughs> you, you, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Because like it, you, you, no one, you know, no one gave you the 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 emotional cocoon to develop a sense of self that was based in confidence or or self-esteem so you're still kind of like there's still that flailing you know five-year-old but now you know i'm 54 it's very unattractive (laughs) you know what what five-year-old emotions coming to a 54 year old's brain can do that's so funny wow that's so funny (laughs) right yeah no, that's right. That's embar. I'm embarrassed. Uh, I know. I yeah. I, I feel that too. And I, like, it's weird because I feel a little bit coming out lately. You know, because things are going good and everything's all right. And but like, you know, now I've got time off and I'm working on new stand up. And I'm just saying shit about people. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> you don't need to slag anybody. You're- Do you mean like on air? Or no, how? no. Just like in conversations. Yeah. You know, like fuck that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. But you know, and that's one of the things you learn you know, as time goes on, that that stuff doesn't play. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's like, there are just dozens of people that hear you say, fuck that guy, and they want to be like, you know, Marin, you know. So like, you know, it's just, there's a fucking wildfire to it. But I'm projecting a little bit. But I have to be very, very aware. There's no reason for me to be bitter. And there's no reason for me to be shitty about other people. Yeah. So like, but it is sort of an old habit. You're so right. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm like, why I'm bitter about something right now. Yeah. And I'm like, how can I be bitter? Like I've, I moved here with nothing. And even if this is as far as I go, having two seasons of a show that I created and star in, like I should, I should be so happy. There should be not one sense of bitterness or unhappiness, but why is there one thing that's like, fuck that? Like I'm so like yeah. you're wrong well that's it yeah like, <laughs> well that's the shit you gotta keep to yourself yeah i which you i do that shit well, i good. sure do oh good good <laughs> and my therapist keep that up <laughs> good talking to you congratulations on all your success esther same thanks so much mark okay that's our show i, I love catching up with her I, I i love her she's great i'll play i'll play i'll play i'll play I'll play three chords. I'll probably repeat myself. We'll see where it goes. But I like it. I like playing. I need to change the strings on my Stratocaster. I know. I know.
Boomer lives. <laughs>